My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Friday the 2nd of December. I'm Sam. I'm Zara. The government's wages bill passed overnight. It's the government's attempt to address stagnant wage growth. Real wages have gone backwards. People right now are earning less than they were earning a decade ago. And the bill's passage reveals the power dynamics at play in Parliament right now. And the government should be trying to help people out of a bad situation, not making a bad situation worse. Before we get to that, Zara, what's making headlines this morning? Private health insurer Medibank has confirmed more stolen customer data has been posted online. The data includes six files in a folder called Full, posted along with the statement, quote, case closed. Medibank claims the data is incomplete and hard to understand, and it also claims the personal data stolen in itself is not sufficient to enable identity and financial fraud. Climate Change and Environment Minister Chris Bowen has delivered Australia's first annual climate change statement. He revealed Australia is on track to achieve a 40% emissions reduction by 2030 and net zero by 2050. The government pledged a 43% reduction by 2030 in the election earlier this year. Professor Sean Turnell has received a standing ovation during question time in the House yesterday, and that follows his release from prison in Myanmar. Tonell, who is an acclaimed economist, spent 650 days in prison after being charged with violating state secrets while working as an economic advisor to former leader Aung San Suu Kyi. And your Friday good news. It's going to be a big weekend, Zara, after the success. So excited. After the success of Melbourne's World Cup live site. Several other live sites across Australia will show the Socceroos v Argentina game on Sunday morning. Sites are being planned in Sydney, Perth, Adelaide and Brisbane. About 8,000 fans watched Australia's 1-0 win against Denmark at Melbourne's Fed Square on Thursday morning. It's going to be a big game against Argentina. I think things could get a little messy. <laughs> The government's wages bill has passed overnight and Tom Crowley is here to help us get our heads around it. Tom, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, Sam. Good morning. Tell me about this bill and its path through Parliament. Well, it's a huge bill, Sam. There's heaps of detail in it to get across. We won't be able to get into all of it today. The the general theme is wages, and we'll talk a little bit about what's in the bill, what it'll mean for us. We'll also talk a bit about the process. I think this is one of these things where the process of passing a law, I guess how the sausage is made, is is a really interesting thing to talk about. So before we get to the sausage makers, I'm keen to do a little bit more of a dive into the bill itself. What is the bill and what does it aim to achieve? The basic idea is it's framed around the issue of wages. You and I have spent plenty of time talking on this podcast about the issue of wages and we know that you know, not just recently, but really over the last decade or so, the story with wages has been that they have not really gone anywhere much. So when you compare wages to prices over even a decade, uh, wages are essentially going backwards. That's obviously a really significant economic issue, uh, something that we spent a lot of time talking about, and it was a big feature uh, for Labor during the election campaign. We're promising that wages will grow faster under Labor than under government, and that's because we have a plan to get real wages growing again. 
So I guess this is kind of the government's first crack at doing something about that. And in particular, I guess, changing some of the laws that, that give a bit of a structure to how wages are determined. So earlier this week, I sat down with Employment and Workplace Relations Minister Tony Burke uh, to talk a little bit about what the government's plans are in that sense. Yeah, look, there's been lots of budgets over the last 10 years where they predicted that wages were about, about to go up, and it's never happened. And we're at the point now where it's really clear you need to change the law if you want wages to go up. Okay, so it was clear from the outset that the Labor government wanted to focus in on this policy area. How will the law change under this proposed bill? So there are kind of, I suppose there are two key parts to understand here about workplace laws, Sam, that that there's awards and agreements. So awards are set by something called the Fair Work Commission. It's a government tribunal that's responsible for setting kind of minimum paying conditions, so the minimum wage overall, but also uh, minimum wages and conditions for particular sectors. So that's kind of one important part of the framework. The other important part of the framework is uh, agreements between employers and their employees. And the process of reaching those agreements is called bargaining. One of the big focuses of this bill is looking at some of those rules around how agreements are formed and how bargaining takes place. Effectively, if you have a bargaining agreement, so if you're not just on the award, you've got a special agreement with your employer, the deal is always the employer gets more flexibility and you get more pay. So if we can get more people onto those sorts of agreements, and that's what the bill's about, then we get wages moving. And then another big focus of this bill is on the issue of the gender pay gap and I suppose wages more specifically in sectors that employ a lot of women. Disproportionately, people have been held most back on wages are women in feminised industries. They're where wages have moved the most slowly. So we've got specific measures to close the gender pay gap. And this is where we get into awards a little bit. So so I mentioned this Fair Fair Work Commission that has the ability to kind of set paying conditions in a number of different sectors. Well, it has in the law a number of different principles that it's allowed to consider when it does that. And one of the things that this law does is add two new things in. One of them is gender, the other one is job security and employment security. And so that will you know, strengthen the ability of the Fair Work Commission, for example, to make a determination in particular industries that there has been historical uh, you know, gender disadvantage and to make a correction of that. There are some other things around um, responses and compensation to sexual harassment. There's removal of pay secrecy clauses that prevent you from disclosing how much you're paid. And then finally as well, that there's this thing that requires employers to make genuine attempts to consider flexible work requests for their employees. So a number of different little things here, more on the pay and condition side of things across the board that the bill's also trying to do. And what's the opposition's stance on the plan that Labor have laid out So the opposition uh, supports some parts of the bill or doesn't object to to all of the things that I mentioned there, but they have a particular focus on some of these rules around bargaining and agreements. And they're arguing that they'll burden small businesses and and also arguing that they could potentially, by, by unleashing higher wages, make the inflation problem, the rising prices problem that we're focused on at the moment, make that problem worse. It's not going to be good for business and it's not going to be good for the economy. And as I said before, it comes at exactly the wrong time. If you've got businesses paying double digit interest rates, you've got inflation at 8%, the government should be trying to help people out of a bad situation, not making a bad situation worse. 
That's Peter Dutton there, leader of the opposition. How did the government respond to that kind of criticism? In our conversation, Sam, Burke was really quite keen to to bring this all back to, to wages growth as the focus. And I guess the language that he used over and over again was this idea that workers are overdue for a pay rise, given that historical problem. The alternative is people keep going backwards. You can't do that. You know, if, if wages had improved reasonably over the last decade, people would be in a much stronger position to deal with the inflation they're facing now. Well, that was the Minister for Employment, Tony Burke's argument, uh, and the coalition isn't on side with that. How did the government do their mouths? Yeah, so the coalition not supporting the bill, uh, that's irrelevant in the House of Representatives. So remember that to become a law, you've got to get through the House of Representatives, you've got to get through the Senate. House of Representatives, the government has a majority on its own. So that doesn't really need anyone. And that part was, was done pretty easily, but the difficult thing was always going to be the Senate. And in the Senate, the government either needs the support of the coalition or it needs the Greens plus one member of the crossbench. And the Greens were were on side, at least in broad principles, they had a couple of suggestions, but they were on side pretty quickly. But without the coalition, then that focus came to the crossbench. And in particular, the key senator became independent senator for the ACT, David Pocock. And so what was Pocock's stance on this bill? Well, I'm glad you asked, Sam. I also (laughs) sat down and spoke to David Pocock earlier this week. And I think what he emphasised was that there was a lot of the bill straight away that he liked. A big chunk of this bill is great. 85, 90% of this bill is great. It's so needed. Mm. It's the last 10% that we have to get right. But I think the other thing for Dave Pocock was that, again, there is there are so many different things in this bill. His concern was that there was a lot for him to get across and a lot for the parliament to get across in not much time. I actually moved a motion on the Senate floor to give the Senate more time. Now, the government didn't want to do that. They were really keen to get it through this year. And again, that emphasis on workers being overdue for a pay rise. And they said, well, we can't afford to wait. We've got to get it done this year. You ask every member of parliament and they'll always say, I, I want the bill to go through in the form in which I've introduced it. And that's always your starting point. Uh, so what happens in the conversations, be it um, with any members of the crossbench, is people start with on opposite sides of this table uh, with their different views, and then you try to find a way through. Uh, although as the clock started to run down, I did wonder whether we'd get there in time. So... Basically, it ended up in a period of negotiations, the government working with David Pocock to try and get him over the line. In the end, the government moved a lot further than I thought they would. Pocock secured a few changes to the bill in the end, including some additional protections for low-paid workers and some changes around small business. The government's been keen to emphasise all the key elements of the bill are certainly still there, but there were some small changes made. Separately to that, Pocock was also able to negotiate an independent advisory committee that would each year make a public assessment on whether welfare payments, so not talking about wages anymore, but things like the unemployment benefit, uh, whether they were adequate or maybe whether they should increase. Setting up more of an independent process for providing advice to government about social security payments. We've seen that people on JobSeeker or an Oz study, you, you can't survive on that. So... For me, you know, this is a way of having industrial relations reforms that are aimed at getting wages moving for people who need a pay rise, but also not forgetting the, the Australians who aren't currently in a job. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. So, Tom, we've spent a lot of time hearing your chats with politicians in the big house down there in Canberra. What does it mean for me and you? What does it mean for Australians? 
I think we'll have to wait and see, Sam. I, I guess when we're talking about changes to rules and agreements and awards, these things don't move rapidly. So if anyone's expecting this bill will pass the parliament and then tomorrow, magically, your wage might be higher, that, that's not the way that things work. This is a, a change, I guess, to the rules of the game and a change to processes and one that the government certainly hopes over time will make it easier for workers to get pay rises. In the short term, though, it's a really difficult and thorny issue. You know, the Reserve Bank and um, economists are warning about all the dangers of price rises at the moment, and it's an unfortunate thing to grapple with that more money in people's pockets also has risks of making that prices problem a little bit worse. So it's a really tricky thing. It's a tricky thing for, for the government to get this balance between wanting to give workers a pay rise and wanting to navigate us through this difficult time of price rises. Thanks so much for joining us, Tom. Always a pleasure, Sam. Thanks for joining us on The Daily Oz this week. If you learned something from today's episode, I know I did, there's a quick and easy way to help us keep making more apps for you. Give us a rating and review wherever you do your podcast listening. We'll be back again on Monday. Have a great weekend.